Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Sith Takers Snapshots podcast. My name is Bob D, and with me for this show uh, are Rich. Hello there. And Colm. Greetings. The first anniversary of uh, the second edition of the Star Wars X-Wing miniatures game has come and gone with, with relatively little fanfare because everyone's been distracted by the shiny new Nantexes that we've been hammering around the board. But at this moment, it is useful, I think, just to stop and have a look about what second edition has brought to us and, and the changes that it has introduced to the game that we've been loving for a few years. The The most obvious thing is the change to seven factions. We started out losing Ray and the first order ships back in September last year. They turned up in December. And then more recently, we've had the Separatists and the Republic turn up to join us with the ever-present Jedi. Rich, what do you make of the change to seven factions from the original three? The shift from three to seven for me was... Um quite important um, because it, I think it signalled a change in how the developers were thinking about the game because previously if you wanted to be competitive um, or if you wanted at least to be able to play in a, every meta, you needed to collect all three factions. Um, I never did. Um, I stuck with Rebels, um, but um, I know a lot of people kind of were buying three of everything or five of everything um, in order to be able to field um, the most kind of degenerate lists that were available at any given point in time. Um, I think shifting to seven factions has meant that very, very few people will actually want to do that or be able to do that. Um, but I think that it's also been supported by a change in the composition of the factions. So, you know, if you pick two or three of the factions now, and, and they are smaller and the ship count is much less, um, you'll be able to put most of the archetypes on the table, which is something we've talked about before. If you want to play triple aces, there's you know three or four factions that you can go into to fly triple aces. Um, if you want to fly a swarm, there's you know three factions you can go into to fly a swarm. Um, so I think it's yeah, I think it's um, it's been a really good move for the game, um, as well as obviously making FFG a, a butt ton more money. It's quite an interesting question really because if you look at rebels and imperials they've not really had anything new so you know if you think about seven factions the idea i suppose would you have seven distinct ideas and each of them would be different and have a different feel which is quite true i think say for the galactic empire because they've got the jedi and you've got force all over the place um and obviously the the cis feel very different but you know rebels and resistance don't feel that different really first order and imperials like first order just feels like a bit of a blander imperials and of course rebels and imperials and scum aren't really getting any new stuff so i think it's good like i like seven factions there's lots of choice and cool stuff but i think they're just kind of getting into the having seven out and releasing stuff for all of them so it still is to be determined a little bit in my opinion how it kind of carries forward because like if you just played exclusively Rebels, I think you'd probably just be a bit disappointed with where the game is now, just because you've got nothing new. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a really good point. There is loads of stuff that they can uh, 
dig into in the expanded universe, whatever it's called now, which is is canon and and which could fit into rebels or imperials. Scum isn't too bad because you've got elements of scum across the whole time period of Star Wars. But with the rebels and the imperials, I'm kind of hunkering for for something that is is different and is a new ship and a new shape. But it may be that when the Mandalorian comes out in November, that's at the right time period for uh, rebels and imps to get the hand on some some new ships. And I, I do feel that the the structure of second edition has been quite carefully thought out. They've applied quite a lot of thought to what's coming out and when. Mm-hmm. And that means that if there's a nice timing window to get all the rebel and imperial players hungry for for new stuff then they may be able to take advantage of that i don't know but it would be really nice to see if we could have some some properly brand new ships for rebels although they still have there a was, fair old chunk of, of the old ships to to re-release there, there was some stuff that floated around i think post gen con um that said that ffg had pretty much confirmed that they weren't going to release um many if any new rebel or imperial um, ships until the other factions had caught up with them um, and that their new content for those factions was going to come out of the card only packs um, so pilots um, basically would be coming in um, and I think that's an, an indication that the movies that those factions come out of um, have been around for so long they've been absolutely drained dry for, for content where the movies that the other factions come out of are relatively recent those factions have been recently added um, you know you can look at the the CIS and the Republic factions, and you can see the the ship type gaps that are there already, um, and kind of the same with Resistance um, and with First Order. You know, each of those factions has got what four or five ships, as opposed to um, Rebels and Imperials, which have got kind of twelve or thirteen, something like that. I think it's going to be a long time before we see more Rebels content, more Imperial content, to be honest. And, and do we feel that the, the switch to seven factions, the factions are, are distinct enough? I mean, we've talked about FO as an inferior version of the Imperials, but how about the, the Jedi within the Republic flying as, as an ace list? Are they different enough from Imperial aces? I think so. They feel quite different. Like, Soon Tier feels completely different to flying Obi-Wan just because of the um, how he uses his linked actions and so on. And he's a bit more fragile for less and less points so that's kind of the distinction that's there in my mind i'm not sure it's entirely true i suppose but okay and the, um one of the massive changes in 2.0 has been the change to three four five and more ship lists why, why do you think that is called uh so, well at the end of 1.0 yeah you did kind of have three and two ship lists were dominating so stuff like Poe and Dash or Fen and the Ghost. And I think really it was just because you could just make this incredibly efficient thing that could just run around the board and soak up a ton of damage and put out a load of damage. And it was just like the amount of upgrades that were in the game meant you could come together and build these in kind of incredible combos and stuff like TLT, which was so accurate. Like you could just make those kind of things, but you can't make a ship in 2.0 that one has that kind of damage output and two can survive for long enough. Um, so and I think those are the main reasons. To, to multiple ships. It, it leads to a very different way of, of flying ships when you're, you're thinking about the interactions between uh, generally at least eight ships on the board. Um, certainly, certainly six these days. 
and maybe a lot more than that. You know, if you've got those crazy eight ships, this lists, are you finding that is is more fun than first edition, Rich? Yeah, I think there was a, a bit of chatter a while ago about um, i games don't go to time anymore, and I think that the increased ship count is the the main reason behind that because. Um, I can casually remember kind of games going to 17, 18, even 20 turns when there was no Dash Miranda against Dash Poe or, you know, something like that. Um, where now if you've got like even a tie swarm with six dials or a sinker swarm with um, whatever, six or seven dials, um, you know, up to the SIS lists that can have, you know, seven or eight dials in them. Um, just the physical action of picking a dial up picking the move that you want without any thought process and putting it back down again um, just adds up. And then, as you say, when you get into the knife fight where you're having to take a minute or two over each dial and then check them all and make sure they don't bump, it just takes a bit longer. Um, and I think the game will settle back into um, a lower or a, a more medium ship count. I think um, three, four, five ship lists are... Well, three and four ship lists are fairly common, and then you've got the kind of six and seven ship lists, which are fairly common. Um, and I think it's it's showing a different type of player. I think we're seeing different players kind of coming through and being successful um, in, in version two, where maybe we didn't see them winning or doing well in the big tournaments in version one. And I think it might be because it's a different play style, um, where you do need to be able to do the geometry to figure out where all of your ships are going to land because you've got lots and lots and lots of different bases. Um, but all that being said, um, we do still have two ship lists that are being very successful. So um, our mate Jack and, um, you know, his uh, his hand Jake build, which he's not the only person who's done well with it. Um, Rasta from the Warlords got, was it top eight in nationals with basically the same build. Um, and other people have flown two ship lists to, to good success as well. So um, I think it's, for me, means that it's a wide open meta. Um, you can take any number of ships, you can put them on the board, and you can either throw a ton of upgrades into them and with good piloting, because um, you have to rely on good piloting now, rather than mods to rescue you um, to your dice, um, you can win games. Um, or, you know, you can put eight ships on the board, spread your arcs out and hope that something lands in front of you. I mean, something that's said, said quite a lot is the idea that we, we now live in an era where it's not about cards, it's about how you fly your ship. But isn't the reality that what's changed is that cards can't mod your dice for you? You don't have as many passive mods. So you still have to fly your ship just like you did in first edition, but you're relying on what comes out of your hand more? Yeah, I think I think that's... I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Like in some senses, I do agree with you. And in other senses, I, I absolutely don't, um, which is neat. Um, so like in first edition, you could, you know, just to take a single example, Lone Wolf, you could re-roll every roll. Like, so if you were being shot by four different ships and Lone Wolf was active, you could you could just re-roll something and everyone. Um, and then your offensive roll as well. Um, where now you can only re-roll a single time in every given turn. Um, so they've they've downpowered some of the abilities, um, but it's no um, no surprise to me that passive mods are at the centre of a lot of the very successful lists at the moment. And the, the primary thing about that is is the force mechanic. Um, so good lists are tend to be things that generate double modifications on attack, 
um, or that are hyper defensive. Now we don't have hyper defensive stacking yet, um, but Dan Slob's list that he won Nerf Herder with was basically it, it shone because it had four ships that were double modding their attacks. The Jedi lists can all take target lock and have force. Um, the Imperialists that are doing really well have all now got the with the addition of passive sensors, uh, not passive sensors, targeting computer or passive sensors access to lock and focus actions. Um, so, you know, this there is more um, or as much um, consistency of dice mods. I don't think we've got to the ridiculousness of guidance chips, harpoon missiles yet, um, where you know you're triple modding things, um, but. You know, I think there is still uh, a fair amount of ways to mod the dice, particularly on offense, um, as there were in version one. They're just less common, so people are centralizing on them. Isn't yeah, that think... telling us something about how the, the design process is working? In that we started off with 2.0, and it was about depowering modifications. And we'll talk in the next show about stuff like the, the evade action and how that's changed. But to begin with, it was a very sort of classic X-Wing feel. And then we got to a stage where there were more opportunities to modify the dice that you were rolling through different mechanisms, particularly with much more force users coming out with the Republic. And and now we seem with the uh, Nantex to be looking at altering the number of dice that are being rolled. So you're getting classic plus more mods and then altering the number of dice to be rolled. And it, it feels to me like the next step would be to increase the amount of, of passive modification that you can do. Does that does that ring true, Colm? I think it is inevitable, right? As they release more and more upgrades, they'll stuff like that is going to just appear, especially with Force Crew as a mechanic. Like, you can see with the new stuff that's coming out, like, there's a lot of, like, new types of upgrades in the latest wave things like Ahsoka Gunner and stuff which enable uh, double mods to come in. So as the game continues to grow, it's inevitable that you'll kind of come back to those same kind of combos. Yeah, and it does it does make sense that you want new stuff to be worthwhile and, and to be good. And I'm a little bit disappointed they've broken their promise not to put cars which are useful to other factions in ships belonging to a faction that you might not have. The, the Nantex targeting computer is, I think, only available in, in the Nantex at the moment. I don't think it comes in the New Republic Y-Wing. And to be, if you're to in be fair, they have they said eventually, right? They can't okay. release everything all at once. Um, okay. So yeah. The card packs and so on can, can solve that, hopefully. Well, yeah, I don't think there's any plans to stick targeting computer in there. So I don't know. Maybe there is. I don't know. Um, but, you know, if you're an Imperial player who's looking to compete, you are wanting to open the option of targeting computer on a couple of your ships. And that means that you are having to buy one or two Nantexes just for the card or you're going to a, a box splitter to, to say, just send me those cards. And it, I'm a little bit disappointed that they haven't managed to stick to to that as a promise. OK, um, that's enough. 2.0 chat in terms of design and so on. Uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday chatting about more of the particular details of how the game has changed. And in the meantime, it's goodbye from Rich Polly. Goodbye. And goodbye from Colm Brown. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Ta-da.
I'm going to say the original four because of scum and villainy have been around for long enough in version one that they were uh, something of their own. Oh, wait, no. Am I getting really mixed up? Was there three? Yeah, Imperials, Rebels and Scum. Oh, God. Right. I'll start that again. Um, There's your outro for you, Tim. Um, (laughs) You know, it says Scum and Villainy. That's not two separate factions. I know. It's not like one of them is Scum and one of them is Villainy. That's not how it works. Well, when when I first started playing, people told me Scum, said they played Scum, and I thought they were talking about Rebel Scum because of all the times when the Imperials called them Rebel Scum. Anyway, um, so... uh, 